Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hi, I'm Josh. Um, I'm part of the congregation here and it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, I've been here for four years, started as a student, then interned and I'm now a brewer in Leeds, so make beer, which is all, always good fun. Um, as a church, we've journeyed through, into Easter through Lent, a 40-day period which is set aside to help us connect and focus to the Easter story. From there, many of us gathered together to share in um, the Last Supper, a Maundy Thursday meal. We, we retold the story of Exodus and how Jesus used it, how he took bread, broke it, shared it. We looked at how he prophesied ahead to what was happening, how he looked to the future and the betrayal of his friends. Later in that story, we, we hear how Jesus is betrayed and arrested. We go on to Good Friday where we hear of Jesus' trial before Pilate, where he is taken before people who have followed him, heard him preach, seen his miracles, and they beg for his execution. That day finishes with Jesus dying on the cross, breathing his last and saying, it is finished. We then get to Easter Sunday, which is my favorite day in the church calendar where we celebrate the reason why we gather together, the truth that Jesus rose from the grave to give us hope and freedom. Last week was a bit of a roller coaster to go through all that in a week. And I think it's important not to rush on from those events today as we hear a reading from that first Easter Sunday again. So I want to hold that in your mind, all those events and all those things that have gone on. Now, clear pass. Um, and another follower of Jesus are walking out from Jerusalem, the first day in which Jesus has risen. They would have had first-hand experience of the last three days. They would have seen Jesus' execution and trial. They would have experienced the disruption of the day turning to darkness, of the earth quaking, and of the temple to curtain being ripped into. Even if they weren't there for all these events, the news had clearly spread wide, as they account in verse 19 to 24. So let me read it again, if you're unsure on the Easter story. This is where we're up to. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. The walkers in this share with the good news that Jesus has risen, though the women have been counted angels to tell them this news. And for us right now, it's really easy to keep reading because we can have the joy and have the truth that Jesus has risen. And we can keep reading the story to see that happening. But in that moment, they don't have that. 
they don't have the hope that Jesus has fulfilled that line and promise of Israel. They don't have that hope of freedom from sin and death by making a way for forgiveness. We celebrate Easter because we can see that the world threw everything at Jesus. We can see that Jesus had temptation, corruption, violence, injustice, and eventually death. But despite that, Jesus rises from the dead and shows he has defeated all the world could throw at him. But in that moment, we find Cleopas and his friend downcast. They are visibly upset. Their hopes that they speak of in verse 21 are shattered. The hope for the one who would redeem Israel in their sight has been misplaced. The look of sadness that, the walkers, uh, that describes the walkers is a Greek word uh, called skuthopos. I'm going to murder that, but um, don't worry. You guys have to try and pronounce it too with me. So skuthopos, it should be on the screen. And you can read the gr- Greek and phonetic if it comes up. It might not. Here's the next slide there. Perfect. There we are. That's how you say it. So after, after one, two, three. Thank you. That was good fun. Um, so to fully understand this word, um, I think it's helpful to look at where else it is used. Um, and it's used one other time in the Bible, and that's Matthew 6, verse 16, um, where Jesus is teaching about fasting and telling people to not look somber, unlike how I typed it, which is to look somber like the hypocrites, um, which um, luckily is not the biggest tech issue we've had, the typing. Um, <laughs> But in this, um, Jesus is teaching people not to look somber, not to look scruthopos, to put on this visual display of downcastness. Downcastness? That's a word. It's fair to assume that their downcast look on the walker's face is as obvious as hypocrites trying to gain favour by looking sad. The walker's distress at this point is obvious. And it's in this place where I think Jesus asked one of the most thought-provoking questions in verse 17 and 18. He says, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces scruthopos. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Jesus replies, what things? Now we have to remember who's asking the question, what things? Jesus is a man, but he is also the man who has experienced all the events that have left these walkers feeling downcast and hopeless. He's the man who has felt all the emotions and the pain from the last three days. He has felt all the emotions throughout the Gospels and leading up to this event. But not only is Jesus fully man, who had an earthly experience of all the emotions, but he is fully God in his nature. He is all-knowing of the hearts and intentions of the world. Three days earlier, he knew, that the, he knew which disciple would betray him. He knew that Peter would abandon him. But despite Jesus' position of knowledge, he asks, what things? The one who truly knows everything that has happened, the one who generally felt the pain of what has happened, asks what things. Jesus is asking the walkers and wanting to know their personal feelings. 
He's allowing them to speak out concerns and troubles. In many ways, he's allowing them to pray. He's allowing them to speak out openly where they are at and how they are feeling. Now, personally, I find this approach to Jesus one I can relate to but really struggle with. In the story, the walkers can speak out their concerns to God, who is physically there. But why should we have to speak out our prayers to God when he knows everything? Surely it's like a pointless activity. Well, in short, no. Um, And in brief, I believe that by reading and following the whole story of the Bible, you can learn why it's not pointless. From page one in the Bible, we see how God delegates power and authority to humanity. How How through Israel and the laws and the history, he is wanting to dwell and desires to be amongst his people. We can continue to read how people cry out in songs and poems and how those in close relationship to God the Father are filled with the Holy Spirit and raised up to speak out against injustice and being voice, voice pieces of a message of hope and future promise. Very little in the Bible happens without the involvement of humans. And I think there's a real encouragement that despite the events of the cross, despite Jesus' life, death and resurrection, that we are still partnered with God and play a vital role in how God acts in the world. This will be no more evident um, as in a couple of weeks where we celebrate Pentecost and the pouring out of God's Spirit so that we can be the hands and feet of God's kingdom. By Jesus asking what things, he's asking the walkers to partner with him. And this is what we do when we pray. We are offering ourselves to partner with God. I hope that's a foundation uh, for why reaching out in prayer is important. But I think there's another part of this story that really nibbles away at me. And it's how Jesus answers the concerns of the walkers. In verses 25 to 27, he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all, the, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what it was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, it's not often that someone who's heartbroken and beaten down feels better with a lecture. Um, I think at this point, Jesus probably could have just turned around and gone, hello, it's me. I'm the one that you've been following, that you've been listening to, that you've seen perform miracles and change lives. I'm the one that you've pinned your hopes on. It's me. But no, he preferred to point to Scripture as a proof of his resurrection. How often do we doubt what we believe? How often are we quick to dismiss a word in favor of how we experience something? For those here who call themselves a Christian, my challenge is the same as Jesus. Do you trust and know the scripture well enough that in your doubts you can turn to them to be the truth and the fixed point of your faith? For some here, you may not know how you can trust scripture, and that's okay. That's really okay. But my invitation is to be curious and questioning. My talk has actually fallen quite nicely a few weeks before the start of an Alpha course that we heard about. Um, 
And I would encourage you, if you're in a place of questioning, and you're in a place where the Bible seems to offer answers, but you're not sure where or how to use it, then I'd love to invite you to try Alpha and go there with questions and an open mind. But I think no matter which camp you find yourself in, I think we can all find the walkers relatable. That despite having the greatest Bible lesson ever, by the most qualified Bible teacher ever, they still don't recognize him and don't understand. I find that genuine reassurance that faith is a lot more complicated than just hearing and believing. If that were the case, if it was the case that you just hear and believe, then the story would end there. But no, the story continues. We hear how Jesus acts. He joins them for a meal. He takes bread and breaks it. The walkers experience an event with a significant meaning. As they would have known about the meal on a Monday Thursday, as they would have heard the events of the Easter story, they have this meal and they recognize Jesus. Now there's nothing supernatural about what Jesus did. He picks up bread and breaks it. However, at this point, the walkers knew who he was. In the midst of an ordinary act, the walkers' eyes are open to the truth and the hope and the joy of Jesus' resurrection. Throughout the Bible, we hear how, when questioned, Jesus both teaches and acts. Pick, pick a miracle, pick a healing, and read it. You will see both Jesus act and teach. I think it's important to not look at just teaching and ignore action. Jesus sees pain and sorrow and offers healing. He lives through evil and hate and forgives. He sees injustice and inequality and flips the tables. I think this story can point forward to us. We know that life is not the way it should be. We see pain and sorrow. We see evil and hate. We see inequality and injustice. For each of us in the room, there'll be something which we feel strongly about. That when we think of, makes us feel scruthopos. We're visibly downcast. So I want to ask you all the same question that Jesus asks. What things? We have explored how God knows all things, but yet asks what things? And I don't believe that Jesus has stopped asking what things. At no point does God give up on creation in the story. At no point does God stop partnering with humanity. We live as a resurrected body. We live as ambassadors, representatives, co-heirs of Christ. And therefore, Jesus keeps inviting us to partner with him. He keeps asking us, what things? When asked what things make me scruthopos, I can offer a fairly comprehensive list from just my postcode. Over the last month, my block of flats have been subjected to robberies from youth who find themselves hopeless and unsupported. I witness a high level of street homelessness and can see the complications of people in that situation firsthand. The heaviest thing I see is during my 4 a.m. drives to work. 
where I see women at street corners caught in a system of abuse which entraps them into prostitution just to survive. Further afield, we see the effects of war, war, war waging in every continent. We see the effects of climate breakdown in the, in the world and the weather, but in the science too. Personally, we struggle with our mental health. We struggle with relationship with our family and friends. We struggle to maintain work and life. These few examples were to make us think what things make us scruthopos. And today, through this passage, I think Jesus is asking that afresh. As we are encouraged to be asked what things, I want to offer the same encouragement that and steps that Jesus offers the uh, walkers. Firstly, God is coming alongside us to partner with us. He wants to partner in the work for his kingdom. Our emotions are considered. Jesus walks and cares. He asks us what things so we can be open and honest, so we can partner and not be passive. We are God's hands and feet in the world. But that doesn't mean that we do it alone. I think the second encouragement is that as we live and pray, do we seek and desire to find truth in the Bible? Do we hear how Jesus teaches on the Bible and see it pointing to hope and future promise? Through the narratives and stories, through the themes and the teachings, can we see that Jesus wants to tackle our what things? That Jesus isn't passive. That God doesn't stop working. I think finally, can we see how God acts? Can we see how Christ came to this earth to bring about his kingdom? Releasing us from the pressures and powers of the world. In the day to day, can we see how people act in God's love? And as we explore what makes us downcast, can we look to examples of Christ-like love. Can we partner with actions of Christ-like love? Can we act in the face of situations? Can we be the joy of the resurrection? Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk